He's the man in the back of the room. Y con la voz de Dios. He's told U.S. presidents where to sit, CEOs where to go, and stars when to shine. But as he likes to point out, Who cares? I care. It's true, she cares. And so does he. He's entertainment and production agency owner and meeting and event master, Anthony Bellotta. She's his Agent 99, and you're about to be Bellottified. Hi, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bolotify, the one and only podcast about events, entertainment, and engagement. I'm Anthony Bolotta. I'm here every week with my always delicious, always optimistic co-host, Alexia Cristina Postolidi. Say, opa, Alex. Hello. How's it? Yeah? It's life. How's it's life? Life, it's, yeah, yeah. It's, it's being lived. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that better than the alternative. It sure is. I have a question for you. Mm-hmm. Um, we didn't talk about this a couple of weeks ago after your Beyonce extravaganza. And I have been dying to know what the hotel was like. Oh, yes. We stayed at the Sonder Lum. I think that's the way it's pronounced. It's a very interesting name for a hotel. It is in Englewood, uh, in the gentrifying area of Englewood, uh, of course, right across the street from uh, SoFi. And what's interesting about the hotel, which is a renovate, looks like a renovated motor lodge, uh, is that as you're driving to it, every motor lodge you see looks like a dump. Until you get to the Sonder Lum, which obviously looks renovated and clean and uh, very contemporary in in its styling. It was very interesting. However, it is a hotel that doesn't have a front desk that's manned by anyone. So you have to register online by uploading a driver's license or an identification going through a series of steps on their app and then you're sent the the code to get into the building and into your room which was very off-putting i have to say uh it doesn't feel very hospitable when you walk into a hotel and nobody greets you here's some of the issues that we had the coffee was awful i mean it was just (laughs) <laughs> the worst coffee I ever had oh, in a hotel oh. room ever in my life. And that's uh, saying a lot because hotel coffee room is pretty bad to begin with. It's pretty bad to begin with. It doesn't even taste like coffee. It it was like I can't even I can't even tell you. I can't describe what it tastes like. Lukewarm garbage water. It was just bad. The worst part of the stay, the the room was comfortable, really well cooled. There was a beautiful pool, a workout facility. Uh, But the worst part was I had prepaid for parking at the hotel because we're across the street from SoFi and they had already told us all that parking was limited at SoFi. Plus it was a lot more expensive. So I was concerned that we'd get to the hotel and we wouldn't be allowed to park there. And then what would, what would we do? So I went online and 
uh, I found a way to prepay for the parking. And when I got there, when we got there, they didn't believe that I had prepaid for the parking, the valet. They were a completely different company. They were arguing with me. I didn't prepay. They were not going to take my car. We were in the in the valet for about 10 minutes hashing it out with them. I showed them the proof. I had it right on my phone that I had prepaid. And they still didn't believe me. Oh, my God. It was like, what do I have to do to prove that I prepaid this? I'm not going to give you another you know, $45 to park my car. That was the worst part, getting there and then realizing, well, we have no one to really talk to about this problem. The only people here are the valet company and they don't work for the hotel. They work for the valet company. So that wasn't so pleasurable. And I'd say the second worst thing other than the, the parking and even not as bad as the coffee, but bad was the fact that they have a restaurant <laughs> And we went to have dinner and they wouldn't seat us. We didn't have a reservation. And I, I don't know, but it's my feeling that if a restaurant is attached to a hotel, they should always have room for people who are staying at the hotel. You shouldn't have to make a reservation in a hotel restaurant unless it's there's several. And one of them is an extra fine dining that I could understand. But if it's the one restaurant in the hotel... That wasn't even open for breakfast. There was there was no oh nothing God. to eat in the morning, no breakfast. Uh, yeah, so I would say, oh, and it was really expensive. It was over three hundred dollars for the room. I want to say it was maybe three fifty plus parking. It was uber expensive to not to not pay employees. To not pay employees, exactly. Oh Lord, uh uh-uh. uh, yeah, no. Uh-uh. I can't you know, support so, that. No, I, I can't support it either because if, for example, the towels were stacked in the in the fitness room and uh, we had all the towels that we needed in our room, which we did not, you know, if those things had been handled, then it wouldn't have been such a big deal for one night. But when you get to a place and things aren't exactly the way you would like them to be, you want to be able to call someone and ask for a towel to work out with or a washcloth to wash your face or some damn good coffee, you know, whatever it is. The fact that there isn't anybody there to service you is a bit off-putting. So other than the fact that it was really convenient right across the street from SoFi, it, it saved us time leaving the concert because we could walk. Mm -hmm. We didn't have to get in our car and wait. Uh, Other than that, it wasn't, it wasn't really a great place to stay. And I do expect that in Inglewood, there'll be more of those properties popping up. Uh, another stadium is going up right in that area. So there is a lot of gentrification happening there. And I know without without fail that soon, they'll have more product. But it was it, it was indeed, see the dogs didn't even like it. And they didn't even go, but they can feel my pain. You didn't hear the dogs pop, apparently. I did not. I heard a little. Oh yeah, they're barking behind me. They they completely, they're 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 uh, commiserating with me. They understand. Uh, so no, it wasn't a hotel that I would recommend, except for if you're going to SoFi Stadium and you you know you want to have a leisurely uh, experience and don't want to mm-hmm. rush out and or you live in San Diego and you don't want to drive home after the concert. Otherwise. Mm, not worth it. 
You know, again, after my experience in Europe and the staff at the various places we stayed and feeling like I was in a home away from home, wherever we stayed, I don't, I don't think I would like that. It would, it would be on a level of creepy for me to not have any staff there. I, it, that's, you know, when you're, you're staying in a, in a place, it's supposed to feel like a home, you know, the whole motel six, I'll leave the light on for you. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. So taking the human element out of it is just beyond sad to me. It kind of breaks my heart. Unfortunately, I think that's the way of the world. (sighs) That's the way we're going, unfortunately. So uh, what can I say? Buck up. Right. Which is sad in Southern California, especially because we are a tourist destination. And when you have people coming and traveling from all over the country and all over the world to come to your town, you want them to feel welcome. Mm -hmm. You want them to feel invited. You can't do that with a machine. So I, I, I expect it'll become a differentiator in the future. You know, I don't, I can't, I personally can't see, although we've all been surprised many, many times, a resort, a resort level property having no staff because part of the luxury of staying in a resort is that you are well taken care of and you're paying for that right but i can see it happening more and more in these roadside motels the smaller properties that really are about convenience over and above service I can see it happening there. And then I can also see safety concerns beginning to crop up around those properties that do that go without a staff, you know, because then who's watching right. over the property. Right. And, and ensuring you, that everybody's safe. But it's not like you're saving money either. Right. No. So. No. Zero money. To yeah. pay more, to get less. I mean, I, I'm all for convenience. There are times that I will Yep, my time is money, and I will pay that extra five or ten or twenty or even fifty dollars if right it's gonna if it's gonna save me hassle and time, and I'm gonna be able to just take a breath. But it didn't sound like you were afforded even that luxury, other no. than being able to walk to and from right the facility. Exactly. Exactly. No, I yeah, I completely completely agree with you. It's sort of like buying the fastest route on Southwest because they show you when you're buying Mm -hmm. a ticket, which one is the fastest. Right. And then ending up getting there 10 hours later because of some issue that Southwest has. It's like the time I flew to Vegas and I really wanted to fly because we were only going for the weekend for Sheriff's birthday. Uh And you spent four hours in the airport. Right. I could have, I could have gotten there sooner had we driven. Right. Right. I mean, we had fun. We made the best of it. We made friends in the hotel bar and just sat and chatted up and had a really nice time. So, you know, a good time was had by all, but it definitely didn't end up being more convenient. And it ended up being a heck of a lot more expensive. Yeah, because you were sitting in the bar drinking, (laughs) spending that cash, spending that cash, you know. 
took my gambling money away, Anthony. It took my gambling money away. Oh, my goodness. Goodness, goodness, goodness. Yeah, that's sort of the way things are going now. Uh, It's becoming a very impersonal world. I will fight it every step of the way. You and Joyce. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. Yep. Yep. Okay, before we get started, if you're a new listener, please take this time to like and subscribe. Go ahead. We'll give you a sec. Why, thank you. Well, today... Yes? I have something to talk about that's completely uh, outside of the topics that we normally discuss, and... Uh, that has to do with my tipsy as well. Let's get tipsy! Today's tipsy is you are what you eat. Today, I humbly add my voice to the chorus that for years has been telling us that diet is, well, everything. And if you haven't already seen it play out in your events, then you're, you either have your head under a rock or you're among the lucky few who don't have at least one or two dietary concerns to factor into your menus. But the fact is that most of what ails us today, diabetes, heart disease, cardiovascular issues, are products in part of our diets. It took me a long time to realize this myself. When I was a kid, I spent so much money at the candy store My grandfather told me that the candy store didn't give interest. (laughs) I didn't listen, and he was right. No interest, unless you count a mouthful of cavities. I was also chubby and weak, which is far worse than being thin and weak, I assure you. My mother, as you would may have already surmised, has never been a strict dietitian, except for the pasta rule, which was a Sunday tradition and included her sauce, meat-based, my father being a butcher, and flavored with brajola, which is Italian for pork skin. Now, over the past two decades, my relationship with leafy greens and vegetables, vegetables, has strengthened, (laughs) and my need for balanced meals has intensified. Last year, I turned 60, and after a lifetime of normal to low blood pressure with no sign of heart disease, I was prescribed antistatins and metoprolol to thin my blood and slow down my Allegro beating heart. I couldn't avoid the drugs, as I was told, because I was already working out 75 minutes or more a day, and my diet was already fairly in check, save the nightly sweet tooth and the occasional hamburger or beef taco, which I've since given up altogether, sticking to chicken and fish. The hope now is to avoid the insertion of a stent, which really blows my mind, given what I just shared. Sure, it's better than a full-on heart attack, but I can't help but wonder how much longer I could have staved off high LDL and high blood pressure had I started eating more mindfully earlier in my life. We are what we eat, and we are what we eat beyond the realm of weight, because what we eat impacts our bodies, influences our moods, and affects our long-term health and vitality. And that's important for everyone, but especially for we purveyors of hospitality who simply cannot perform at peak levels 
engagingly and effectively with a body that hurts, a mind that's un- a mood that's unpleasant, and little to no vitality. So my tip for today, please eat mindfully. And you know why I have that tip today? I do know why you have that tip today. I do. And I think it's uh, so beautifully relevant. Um, And I, I just have to insert this. You know, for us Greeks, food is a major love language, right? Mm -hmm. We savor it both in the preparation and in the eating of it. So when I was a kid, anytime we passed a fast food restaurant, Yaya would mutter, Tafajito eni ya tosoma, o ti eni iagapi ya tinsiki. What was that about tacos? Oh, you've given them up so they are on your mind, my friend. Oh. Um, what that means is food is to the body what love is to the soul. So like love, good food takes time. It takes the right ingredients. And like love, the more attention we give to our food, the better and healthier we eat, the more our bodies will give back to us. And the Greeks have it right. Yaya has it right. Mm-hmm. The Mediterranean diet is the diet that is most uh, referred to by doctors, mm-hmm. most recommended by doctors. And in doing just a tiny bit of research, I learned that um, those in Mediterranean countries such as Greece uh, have fewer uh, fewer uh what, what am i trying to say fewer uh people have heart disease in those countries in the mediterranean countries than they do in the northern european countries where meat is a major staple mm-hmm. in the diet so the greeks yaya we're listening <laughs> we're listening. we are listening yes we are yeah and we have somebody else today who can help us a bit in our quest to eat better and mm-hmm. live healthier. And I'm so excited that she agreed to join us. Let's introduce her. Let's let's. So uh, super excited because I happen to love this person dearly. And our guest today moved here from Lebanon two and a half years ago during the pandemic. In Lebanon, she worked as a dietitian, And upon her move here, she found herself with the opportunity to reshape her career path. Remaining unwavering, her love for her profession led her to this question. How can I continue pursuing my profession in this new environment? She embarked on a journey to reinvent herself, returning to university to complete the necessary coursework, undertaking internships, and ultimately achieving the status of a registered dietitian in the United States. She was recently hired by Kaiser Permanente. And I have to add this. She did this while she was pregnant, then caring for a newborn, all while maintaining top marks in school. Please welcome the impressive and motivational Joy Corey. Hi, Joy. Hi, thank you so much. (laughs) It's such a pleasure to have you on. Uh, For the sake of transparency, Joy is the wife of Sam. 
Wissam, who works for us at Bolada. And uh, we met Joy uh, when she married Wissam, Sam, back in 2019 in uh, Cyprus. And it has been a joy knowing her since. Yes, it's been a pleasure to have you to meet you at our wedding. <laughs> yes, it was. It's still a pleasure to meet you every day to see your smile. So because the audience doesn't know you very well, we like to start our broadcast with a little something we call 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. 10 quick questions. Yay! So this is what we're going to do, and I hope you don't mind playing with us. We have 10 quick questions. The point is to give us your the first thing that comes to mind. No thinking about these answers. Alex has a clock with two minutes on it. And again, we're just looking for the <laughs> first answer that pops into your mind. Are you ready to go? You don't know the questions, so this is a bit of fun for everyone. Are Let's you ready? Let's do this. I'm okay, ready. good. Number one, Joy Corey, do you believe in miracles? Yes, I do. Number two, you've been given front row seats to see any performer you want, alive or deceased. Who are you going to see? That's a tough one. <laughs> uh, I would say Taylor Swift because I had the chance to, um, to see her in LA, but I couldn't. So yeah, I hope I'll get to see her soon. <laughs> I hope so too. That is exactly who I thought you were going to say, by the way. Really? <laughs> yes. I don't know why. I just had a feeling. Uh, which is more difficult, driving around Beirut or driving around San Diego? Definitely Beirut. <laughs> <laughs> Much different system. Even though everyone says here that California drivers are crazy, uh, I feel like I Beirut drivers <laughs> are crazier. Mm -hmm. There are no rules in Beirut, it seems. Unfortunately, no. <laughs> there are no traffic lights, right? There's just like, you go when you go. Uh, okay, Joy, your life is but a pizza. Your life is but a pizza. What is it topped with? Ooh, uh, lots of cheese. I love cheese. <laughs> Which is funny, considering. <laughs> um, very colorful vegetables and... Yeah, and the fresh basil on top. Mm. What was the thing you noticed most about Sam the first time you laid eyes on him? Wow. <laughs> I feel like the, fir the first thing that uh, attracted me to him was, was his very deep gaze. I feel like his eyes just speak for themselves. I don't know how to explain it, but you it's know beautiful. him. I think you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yes, I don't see the deepness in his eyes the way you do, but I think that's probably the way it should be. I do have to just add this. He does have probably some of the most beautiful eyes I've ever seen on a human. Yes, and very expressive. Mm -hmm. I thought you were going to say his smile, quite honestly. But hey, it was your experience, not mine. Okay. Uh, can you name something you love to eat? but wish you didn't? That's a tough one because I love all foods and I love discovering different uh, types of food, different cuisines. Um, hmm. <laughs> There's nothing you wish you didn't like. Yeah. That's a lot coming from a dietitian. <laughs> I feel so much better about my diet. 
So no answer, huh? So no answer. I I wouldn't want to miss on any 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 foods. Okay, we have to talk further about that. I like that. Speaking of your favorite foods, I'm your favorite flavor of ice cream. What flavor am I? Salted caramel. Oh, nice choice. Nice. All right, Joy, if you had to name one pet peeve, something that really gets under your skin, what would it be? Um, do you mean something that annoys me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> if anything annoys you. And Sam's not listening, so if it's him, don't worry about it. <laughs> um, not being truthful. Ah, uh, people not being truthful. Yeah. That's a good one. Yeah. Very good. Uh, you know, I we asked that question because we don't, you don't strike us as somebody who gets annoyed very easily. I don't, but then when I do. <laughs> it's over. <laughs> I want to see that someday. Oh my goodness, poor Alex. She's the one, now maybe you don't have an answer for this. She's the one vegetable in the produce aisle, you simply have no use for. What vegetable is she? A vegetable that I do not use. That's interesting. I would say celery because I feel like a lot of people just snack on celery and have it with hummus and I just feel like if it's not as part of a dish and being boiled and stir fried I don't I feel like it's not <laughs> a real vegetable yeah <laughs> or vegetable you're right about celery it's it's got limited uses yeah I mean as part of a dish it's amazing but just having it and snacking on it I don't feel this rewards or the purpose of it okay celery you're out <laughs> Last question. Kai, your son, now about 18 months, right? Yes. Is fortunate to grow up possessing his mother's best quality and his father's best quality. What two qualities does grown-up Kai possess? Well, he is going to I think he will be very ambitious. Like his uh both of you I think both of us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And adventurous, open-minded. Okay. Like both of you. Like both of us. Yeah. And And he is a very happy baby, so I hope he'll stay a very happy person. That's a good sign. Well, he has uh, his mother, who is a very happy person Mm -hmm. as well. Aptly named. Aptly named, right? When you're named Joy, you can't be miserable. It doesn't work. <laughs> just doesn't work. It'd be funny, but it wouldn't work. To everyone but Joy, <laughs> yes. right? So Joy, what did you think of our tipsy today? Any comments on, on the tipsy? Um. Well, it's a very good one. And I feel like, yes, there is a big spotlight on Mediterranean diet because this is the diet that has been the most studied. There's a lot of research in regards to the Mediterranean diet, but I feel like every 
cuisine and every part of the world, they have their own cultural foods that are very nutritious. Um, so we have to kind of embrace uh, all foods and yeah, because they've been, they've been there and there's a lot of different cultures that eat different things and uh, they are all nutritious and just telling someone, oh, you can't eat your food that your grandma cooks because you have to eat a Mediterranean diet and they've never been introduced to a Mediterranean diet um, might be very difficult for them. Mm. And and they will think that the foods that they grew up eating is bad, whereas it it might not be. And it, it's also very nutritious. So what about dieting then? Are are there any hard rules that absolutely apply to everyone? Or is dieting really about what works individually depending on one's biological makeup? It's definitely individual. Each person is different. Uh, like you mentioned, the genetics, biology, uh, your background and your lifestyle is very important because again, especially you in the event world, you have a very fast-paced lifestyle um, so just giving random nutrition advice might not apply to you because the way you live and your stress level and everything um, you you might need something else and it's not about dieting and it's more about having a balanced meal balanced meals balanced lifestyle yeah. Balance, balance. I'm balance, really balance. glad that you said that because um, I've always felt that to be true, that we have to listen to our bodies. And, you know, it, Anthony and I were talking about this and they there's all these fads, right? Like every three or six months, a new fad comes up and it's the way. And for many years, I was chastised. You can't eat past 6 p.m okay, but I'm in the theater. So I'm doing a show. I may be not getting home until midnight. I don't eat before I do a show because I don't want that on my stomach. I don't go to bed till two or three. If I don't eat past five or six, that's not going to work for me. That's not my lifestyle. And it's nice to hear somebody validate that. Um, Yeah, it's just nice to hear someone validate that. Mm -hmm. You know, I always thought, well, it's, this doesn't work for me. And, you know, just the amount of chastising we take for not doing things the way one person thinks we should do it. Yes, definitely. And then, like Anthony said, uh, mindful eating is really important. So you did mention that. And I totally agree, especially now we everyone is so busy or even when you're on your break, you're on your your iPads, your phone, uh, you're on, you're distracted all the time and not really enjoying your foods. It's true. What about the idea that um, in America, we have so many processed options that make it easy to eat poorly? Do you find that to be true having come from Lebanon? That there's just so much more choice here when it comes to foods that aren't good for us or am i completely off base um well it is much bigger here you have a lot of choices but then again the word process so everything is to a certain extent processed mm -hmm. um even your frozen veggies they the process of 
freezing them, they're they're minimally processed, but they're still kind of processed. Um, What I like here is that you have options and convenient food and easy to prepare food is accessible and that's okay. You just need to look at your options and choose the the best option for you. Um, And choosing convenient foods is helpful because it saves you time. Not all processed foods are considered bad, quote unquote. Yeah, we do give um, we do give processed foods a bad name here, don't yeah. we? We, <laughs> we do do that, don't we? Uh, so, in talking about processed foods, where do you draw the line in terms of processing? Uh, are there certain things that you just don't touch? For example, they tell us that deli meats are way over processed and we shouldn't eat them hot dogs way over processed we shouldn't eat them do you do you agree or disagree um well i do agree because they are very highly processed very high in saturated fats uh, very high in salt especially if someone has um heart disease or blood pressure or high blood pressure um so they are highly processed but again if you want to indulge or you want to enjoy your hot dog from time to time, it's also fine. You shouldn't feel guilty about it um, because food so, is meant to to be enjoyed. So trying to have everything in moderation. Moderation. Um, yeah, and not just cutting out the food out of your life because this is not sustainable. Life is ups and downs and mm-hmm. your food intake is going to be ups and downs and that's okay. I, I want to ask you a question since you talked about not feeling guilty. Um, do you, I'm um, your point of view on this is when you eat something, do you, I wonder, does our body process it differently if we eat it, enjoy it, appreciate it, move on rather than sitting there going, I shouldn't be eating this. I shouldn't be eating this. I'm a horrible person. This is a bad thing. Why am I doing this to myself? If I can't stop. Is there is there some kind of chemical difference there? Uh, I believe so, um, because I believe that the way you speak to yourself and the way you the self talks and how you um, how you make yourself feel bad for eating that during that during the the time you're eating and after is also going to affect how you're feeling inside and will also affect your intake. Because if you're feeling bad, you're like, well, since I already ate that and I shouldn't have, then let me eat the rest of the pack, let's say, or let me just finish the whole thing or get another scoop of ice cream because I already ate, you know, and you're not really listening to your body and saying, okay, well, this is how much I'm eating and I'm enjoying it. And you will feel full afterwards. And if you don't, that's okay. You can you can have another serving, but you won't have this guilt feeling. You'll you'll actually enjoy your foods or your snack. What about the pace at which we eat? Some of us eat so fast and some of us eat painstakingly slow. I can go <laughs> to dinner with my mother and brother and be finished before they even are halfway through their meal. They eat so slowly. Is eating slower better for us? It does help because as soon as you take your first bite, 
it takes around 20 minutes for the digestion, digestion to start. So it takes around 20 minutes for the signals from your guts to go to your brain and say, hey, I started eating, I'm getting full, you know? So this mind-brain connection doesn't really, mind-gut connection doesn't really start before 20 minutes. And if you eat in five minutes, you won't have time, your body won't have time to register the fact that mm. you're eating. You'll feel full quicker, you'll feel, you might feel bloated depending on if you're chewing well or not. And you might overeat because you're eating a lot of, a, a big quantity in a small amount of time. And your body hasn't signaled that it's full. So you're just, you're just shoveling in more and more and more. I see. Yes. While eating slowly, well, first you enjoy your food, the smell, the textures, you take your time, you chew well, <laughs> you help your, mm -hmm. your gut, you start the digestion in your mouth. <laughs> Um, so you'll enjoy your food more, more and you'll feel full and satisfied. There was and I just want to, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to add this to the person who prepares the food for you. They're going to appreciate you more if you eat slower and really <laughs> savor their hard work. Mm. True, true. I remember years ago, there was some news that came out about making sure that you chewed everything a certain amount of bites or or minutes. I couldn't remember. I can't remember what that exact number was, but do you subscribe to chewing for a certain amount of time or taking a, a certain number of chews before you swallow? <laughs> um, well, I don't know if that's going to be feasible on the long run to always time your chewing and every bite. Um, but I would just say, as long as you try to avoid the distractions, focusing on your meal um, and eating slowly, just being mindful that you need to chew before you you swallow, um, this will, will help. And at least it's sustainable. You can, once you get used to it, it, be, it can become a habit. But then uh, counting the number of chews, or let's say you're with someone and you're, you're having a conversation, you might mm -hmm. forget. You might not be able to count or you know. right, right. You're distracted. <laughs> yeah. I remember doing that, Anthony, and food became almost repulsive to me because I, I used to do that. I used to like, all right, 45 chews, 45, <laughs> right? But by the time you get there, it's so disgusting that right. I just like, no, I can't, I can't do this and enjoy my food. Okay. Yes. And, and I'm so glad that you said that and you experienced that because also it depends on the bites that you're taking. Mm -hmm. What if you're taking a small bite? You don't need 45 chews. chews. Mm. <laughs> and for how long did you do that? I'm wondering. Me? Yeah. Uh, not long because I thought this is gross. I'm not liking the food. I don't like the texture. I no longer like the taste. Um, and I'd rather just not eat. Yeah. It's exhausting too on yeah. the jaw, isn't it? <laughs> la, la, la. <laughs> what about sure. this distracted eating? Now you mentioned just now um focusing on the meal and and not being distracted. And so many of us, I'm guilty of this every single day. So many of us choose to eat and work, eat and drive, eat and do something else just to get food in in the body. 
what do you say to us? Is we're doing that? That's a probably a bad thing to do, I assume. Well, this is an ongoing discussion with me and my husband. <laughs> <laughs> I hit the nail. Bingo. <laughs> I I mean, in your world and when you're on site, I get distracted eating. And I'd rather you eat something while you're on the job, but at least get some nutrition in to be able to, like you said, be sharp, be energetic, be present. Um, but when you're home or even when you're at your desk and you're taking your lunch break, um, I always prefer if that person, if my husband, let's say, doesn't eat at his desk, I always tell him, hey, try to eat at, at a different uh office or let's say try to go outside for your meal but just this change of scenery uh is really important for first of all to be mindful and also to enjoy your break it helps mm. you enjoy your break relax and then get back to work more energetic if that makes sense no it, it makes it makes very good sense and what do we gain by doing that? Do we gain uh, a bit a more of a satiated feel because we've taken time to stop everything and eat and focus on the meal? We come back more relaxed. We come back more energized, you just said, than just trying to plow through a meal. Exactly. And then you'll feel more tired because you're eating while working. So you don't know how much you ate. You don't know if you're full or if you just stopped because you were in the middle of a contract. Um, and then you stopped eating because you were finishing a task and then you forgot to finish your lunch, let's say. So you didn't eat enough. Um, a lot of times my husband comes home and he's like, I'm tired. I don't have energy. And I'm like, okay, well, what did you eat today at work? And he stops and he needs to think back and he's like, oh, I did not have lunch and I forgot. And he was so caught up in work that he just forgot to eat. And it's really easy, not just in your field, but in our fast-paced life to mm -hmm. forget to eat or to have something more important. Mm -hmm. But again, this is really important because you're taking care of yourself and you're nourishing your body. I have to say I'm the worst at that. I more often than not don't eat until 10, 11, sometimes 12 o'clock at night um, because I'm just busy and I don't want to take the time to stop mm -hmm. or, you know, I, I, as I'm eating, I'm like, but I've got this to do and that to do. Mm -hmm. And then I won't eat on the job at night unless I absolutely have to, because when I'm going to have my dinner, I want to enjoy it. I can't enjoy it if I'm working or if I know, okay, well, I'm going to wolf this down, but then I got to go back to work. So then I'll just forego the meal entirely. Mm. I'm. What do you say to someone like me? Well, How do I stop myself? <laughs> well, I would say at least when you're on the job or on site, um, just like you plan your events, so you know how your event is going to go. Try to plan at least snacks if you're not able to have your meal, but have snacks ready and make time for that. Um, because again, you work long hours, uh, your work is very stressful, you need to nourish yourself. Mm. So having uh, healthy snacks, protein packed snacks would help you curb that hunger and give you the energy you need. 
And also you need to hydrate. I cannot mm. stress this enough. You need to drink water and hydrate. Does the <laughs> old adage oh, still still uh, pertain the the eight ounces or six, 64 ounces of water a day, eight glasses of water? Is that an average that still pertains today? Uh, that is an average, uh, but again, it depends on each person. So there's depending on your weight and how much uh, how much you weigh and how much calories you usually consume, we can calculate the specific numbers of ounces of water that you would need during the day. But yeah, this is a rough number. Mm. I have a question for you. Does stress affect your body differently if it's well-nourished rather than malnourished? For sure. Um, stress has a huge impact on our body and it uh, raises the stress hormones. So metabolically speaking, your body will be under stress. Um, so yes, if you are malnourished and under stressed, um, it will it will have detrimental effects. Again, depending on the person, depending on a lot of factors, um, but yeah. So we're talking about nourishment, not hunger, right? And so my my question is, should we eat even if we don't feel hungry? That's a good question. <laughs> oh, I got um, her. Um, well, again, it will depend on uh, your lifestyle, how you structure your day. Um, but let's say you're not feeling hungry, but you know that for the next five hours, you won't have time for a meal, then I would say it's okay if you eat right now and because and you're not hungry because you know that for the next five hours, you won't be able to eat. Um, so again, just planning and advance your day and making sure that you nourish your body. And you mentioned something really important, your hunger levels. So really honoring your hunger cues. And this is really hard because of the diet culture. Because of, So we tend to not listen to our, our hunger cues um, because of, again, the diet culture and what we should and shouldn't eat. This mm -hmm. affects your hunger cues. Um, yeah, they, ha they have to go go hand in hand, if if I can say that, yeah. And I think some of us, I know for me, it's true that if I don't eat, I can feel it in my body. I, as Sam felt when he came home, I feel tired. I feel um, sometimes ornery from not eating, lightheaded, um, just weak and not, sometimes I don't even feel like myself when I don't eat. But eating can be sometimes very difficult to do. So I'm one of those people that definitely needs to listen. And even if it's just snacking, and if we do snack, what should we snack on? Well, first of all, you need to snack on something that you like, <laughs> for sure. Um, I always like to um, pair at least two food groups or something that contains protein with something else. Um, so let's say nuts and seeds with a fruit. Um, you can have yogurt, string cheese, uh, hummus, hummus with crackers. 
if you're hungry, you don't need to get your carrots. You can have hummus with crackers. That's okay. <laughs> I do have to say that one of my favorite combinations is raw zucchini and hummus. Those yes. two things together make me very happy. Exactly. Or let's say uh, dried edamames. So you can have convenient, easy to grab snacks, mm -hmm. especially when you're uh, on the go. Um, but just making sure that you nourish your body. So let's even a protein bar, if you feel that this is convenient for you, um, can help you curb this hunger. So I have now um, high LDL cholesterol, shocks me. Uh, so I've cut out red meat and uh, I'm concerned now about the amount of dairy that I consume. Uh, low fat milk, 1% milk, but probably cheese is probably the biggest culprit. Um, what could I, is there anything more I could be doing to help stave off high cholesterol other than just stop eating the things that I adore, which obviously we don't want to do? Yeah, this is really hard. And I understand because I also have high cholesterol. Oh. I have had that ever since I'm I was 18. I got diagnosed with high cholesterol. Um, so it's also an ongoing struggle for me. <laughs> um huh. one would not think that you no. have high cholesterol, but yeah. there you have it, right? It's it's genetic to some it's degree. Genetic, yes, it is. Um what I would say is try to do everything in moderation. And again, every um the research is advancing, everything's changing. Um, so let's say 10, 20 years ago, we would say to someone who had high cholesterol, don't eat egg yolks. They're bad for you. Uh, they would raise their high in cholesterol, thus they would raise your cholesterol levels. However, recent studies have shown that the cholesterol in egg yolk is not a, doesn't raise the, your blood cholesterol, your LDLs. Oh, so you can have eggs. It's hmm. more the saturated fat. It's more the processed, like um, the processed food that comes with your eggs, like bacon and sausage that raise your cholesterol levels. So that's why I say everything in moderation. Um, so what is moderation? You know, how... How do we know that we're being moderate when we're eating? So if I, for example, have a glass of 1% milk every night before I go to bed, am I, am I doing too much milk because I have a glass before I go to bed? Or is that moderate? How do you know? Well, yeah, that's a very good question. It's really hard to determine moderation because it also depends on each person and um, so it's really hard. There's no specific definition in regards to moderation and diet. Um, but a glass of milk before bed is totally fine. <laughs> That's <Okay>. for sure. <laughs> and all these years I thought, well, I'm not drinking alcohol before I go to bed. I'm drinking milk and, and have been the butt of many jokes for doing that. Because even when I'm on a job, I don't have a drink I have milk before I go to bed and so everybody knows but now I'm starting to feel like oh I can't even have a darn glass of one percent milk oh of course you can and you shouldn't stop drinking your milk if you like it 
<laughs> I think she's she's um, alleviating every worry and care that we have. Yes, it I, does I, feel good. Well, what what I'm hearing too, Joy, and what is really lovely is that you're saying you're telling people to honor their bodies and not follow a fad. Exactly. Yes, and. Honestly, the biggest part of my job is to help people unlearn all those misconceptions. Mm. This is day to day trying to help people unlearn this, that eggs are bad, cheese is bad. <laughs> um, those labeling of foods and of uh, yeah, dietary behaviors. So... I know we've talked about diets a lot and uh, I have another question about another diet that seems to be getting a lot of buzz these days and that's the fasting diet. Intermittent uh, fasting? Uh, intermittent mm -hmm. fasting, yes. And I know that D'Angelo has done that. Uh, I have never uh, tried intermittent fasting. I don't. I do it naturally. A, you do it naturally? I don't naturally. feel like I'm a candidate for it because I need to eat or I don't feel so good. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Again, it works for some, it doesn't work for others. Is is that uh, true, what you would say? True, but also, again, um, it depends on each person. Um, so let's say you work at night, you can't do intermittent fasting. Um, and naturally, we technically do the intermittent fasting because you have your dinner and then you sleep and then you eat by the time you wake up, which is usually around 10 to 12 hours. So it is kind of intermittent fasting. Um, but they went, they increased it to more hours where you miss your breakfast. And I believe it's not feasible. And honestly, I don't see a lot of people having, uh, I mean, there are success stories. But then again, people give up or stop or uh, and it doesn't work for everyone. Mm. Are you a proponent of breakfast? Yes, I am. Do you believe is we it, should all? Uh, thank you. That's what I was going to ask. Eat breakfast. <laughs> so I eat breakfast. Alex does not. So we have two sides of the coin here. <laughs> so, so what do you say about breakfast? I love breakfast. And like the word says, it's breaking the fast. Um, your night fast it helps you regularize your blood sugars um, it helps you nourish your body before a full day of work so I feel like it's really important and having breakfast also helps you plan your meals during the day and eat regular meal times and when you skip breakfast it's you're also ignoring your hunger cues but then if it when it becomes a habit, I believe, Alex, that's what's going on with you. <laughs> when it becomes a habit, you just don't feel hungry anymore in the morning. And I have if... never, ever since I was a little girl, I eat, that was the one thing I would lie about. I would take a bowl, wet it and put it in the sink. Never, <laughs> ever have I liked to eat in the morning. Well, that's a preference again, and that's okay. Um, I'm not, let's say you're coming with me to me and I tell you, hey, Alex, you have to have breakfast. And this is something that is not feasible for you. Then I'll see what feasible, what is feasible for you. And we will work on that. I'm not going to make you have breakfast because, because it is the way to go or because it's better. You know, I, again, each person is different. 
we can work we can work on other things that you feel like you can do but if you can't do breakfast then that's okay i love so, that so it, so you can absolutely work around uh the proclivities of people that you work with to achieve a goal if if somebody for example wants to uh for simplicity's sake wants to lose weight you can actually work with them in a way that's comfortable for them to help them to achieve their goals maybe they'll maybe the goals will be achieved slower uh is that fair to say but they're still on the road to success yes exactly uh again you work i work with uh what their lifestyle with what they are able to do right now what is achievable for them and again it's taking small steps small changes because this is what's going to be sustainable for them and it will keep motivating them whereas if i just come to you and I'm like, okay, we're going to change everything. And this is what you have to do starting tomorrow. And I put all these restrictions and add all these rules. That's not going to, you're not going to be able to sustain that and achieve that. It's going to be unrealistic because I didn't take the time to sit with you and say, okay, uh, what's your biggest concern right now? What can you do? What can, what can we work with? Um, yeah, so it's it's a collaboration, I believe. Mm. It's very um, enlightening uh, and encouraging to hear mm -hmm. that because I do feel that most of us think it's one way or the other. Yeah, unfortunately. Mm. How about eating out? I, I am guilty of eating out a lot. We prepare very few meals at home. Um, any tips to share with us for those of us who eat out a lot about how we can choose more healthily? Uh, well, it depends uh, depends on the restaurants you go to. Um, the most I feel like the most helpful tip is to try to have a balanced plate. So making sure that you have your carbohydrates like, the rice, potatoes, bread, uh, you have your proteins and you also have your vegetables, fruits. And so just having a balanced plate, a little bit of everything will is already a big step um, when you go out to a restaurant. Hmm. And what about in the grocery store when we're shopping for items? Uh, that's where it gets a little tricky. You know, for example, you think you're buying, I don't know, something that is pretty innocuous, like maybe peanut butter, and you don't take time to see what all of the ingredients are on the peanut butter jar. Is that a problem for us? Because there's so many preservatives and additives in these things that um, for me, it becomes quite honestly overwhelming. I don't even care to look at the jar anymore to see what's in it because it's, I won't know what some of it is anyway. Uh, yeah. And unless I do a deep dive and research, I'm not going to know. So it does become sometimes overwhelming when you're trying to choose products and you don't really know what they're made or how they're made. Uh, what, 
any tips, any anything that we can take to the grocery store with us to help us shop? Well, first of all, just so you know, it's also overwhelming for me. And I know what I'm reading. Okay. <laughs> so it is, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of words that we don't understand. Um, so I would say try to, first of all, look at the added sugar. This is, there's a section that they recently added on the label that says added sugar. So that's not the sugar naturally occurring. That's the added sugar that's what, that is added to um, that specific product for preservation, for flavor, um, texture. So they are add, they're adding sugar for different reasons. Um, just making sure that this amount isn't more than 5% of the serving um, and trying to focus also on um, the ingredient list. You don't have to understand everything, but just the less ingredients they are, the better. Mm-hmm. And you need to understand what you're reading. If it's a whole list and more than half of, of that is very com- complicated words, then you need to try to think of another option. <laughs> I'm glad to hear you say that because that's something I've, I was told a long time ago and I try to follow is that I do look and I will cert- I will choose the item that has fewer ingredients that have ingredients that are known. I know what they are. I can pronounce them. Yes. You know, so even something as simple as a box of mac and cheese, right? Which is not something we ever did very much, but I found an item that is organic and natural. The ingredients list is this big and I could tell you what every ingredient is. And then we got used to when we would decide to have that treat to have it. But if we went back to the other, the other tasted so bad, we could actually taste the chemicals in it. Mm. Yes. And is it true that the, the biggest proportion, the biggest proportion of ingredient is the first that's on the label so that, uh, this is something that I was told years ago. So for example, um, if, the ingredients in a product, eggs, um, flour, wheat, corn syrup are written in that order. It means that the product is made mostly of eggs and there's a lesser degree of corn syrup because it's mentioned later in the list. Is that still true? Oh, yes, it is. Let's talk poke bowls. <laughs> and sushi. I love it. I love it. Don't you love poke bowls? Yes. So I uh I do enjoy sushi and poke mm-hmm. bowls as well. And uh there are two issues, two concerns. One is the mercury in fish that we're being told to be careful about eating too much. And the second is the other ingredients that are in that that they use to make sushi mayonnaise for example is used in a lot of sushi so i guess you'll say in moderation it's fine um is that right in moderation it's fine or should we just be avoiding those mayonnaise laced sushi bites 
in moderation, it's fine. But if you're the kind of person who eats sushi every other day and very frequently, you can also, add, depending on the restaurants, um, but there are some restaurants who who wouldn't put the mayonnaise topping or dressing if you ask them to. So the first time when you order, they don't say that there's mayonnaise, but then your plate comes and it's full of mayonnaise. <laughs> and, yes. the, and then the next time you'll know, you're like, okay, can I have this please without mayonnaise? Um, then just making those small changes and restaurants are usually, uh, are usually okay for doing that. Um, that just makes a big difference, especially, again, if you're having that every other day or very frequently. You know, in our business, we deal a lot with, uh, especially the caterers, deal a lot with uh, dietary issues and concerns. And, uh, you know, when I came into this business, it was it was everybody ate the same thing unless you were a vegetarian. And now... Um, some people have celiac, some people, you know, they can't eat the wheat, they, you know, they're allergic to an ingredient, so they can't have that. Uh, is that all uh, real? Is our people, are, are there that many uh, allergies and dietary issues that that people are having that we have to be careful about? Or are we just overblowing all of that? I think they're real. Um, again, when you mentioned the celiac, celiac is a disease. It's but there are a lot of people who went gluten free just because it is a trend. So that's different. Right. Um, but but I know that allergies are. I think right now because you have the option to uh, modify your diet, so people are speaking up more and saying, "Hey, I'm allergic to milk. I'm allergic." to I have celiac so there is more conversation and people are more open to that but it's always been that way yeah hmm. yeah I know that it does get very hairy for for some of the planners when they have to deal with all the different dietary concerns but they're real concerns yeah, yeah. and I know I understand I mean it's super it would have been so easy to just order one thing for everyone and that's it <laughs> right so right in the planning world it's much easier there's one less thing to worry about but yeah true that <laughs> now what about supplements so oh. alex and i both take fish oil um and i've been taking supplements for a long time what are your feelings uh-oh <laughs> seeing well, the look on the face <laughs> Um, yeah, well, supplements is a tricky topic um, because you can, everything that is in supplements, they're made from food. So why would you have this mega dose of omega-3 when you can have fish two or three times a week, let's say? That's an example because you mentioned fish oil. Um, there are fruits and vegetable supplements. So people, instead of just eating the fruit, and really taking in all the fiber and vitamins and the flavor of the fruit, the fruit, they'd rather have one or two pills of fruit supplements. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say if you're able to get your vitamins and minerals from the food that you eat, it is 
better than have than taking the supplement unless again there's a deficiency somewhere and you need supplementation i'm all for it um but yeah it's just <laughs> do you I really think, need the supplement i think it's uh, for and not in every case um you know i was taking i haven't for a while but i was taking that when the doctor told me you need to have this right But I also think that we tend to do things and I've been guilty of it, very, very guilty of it, doing it when it's a fad. Oh, right. So, oh, well, I have to have that because, you know, it's a fad. It's a trend. Everyone's having it. Especially now with the advertising, they advertise the supplement so much Mm -hmm. that you feel like if you're not getting that, then you're not nourishing yourself or you're not taking care of yourself because you didn't drink this green powder, let's say. Right. No, I, I, I've been a daily supplement taker for as long as I can remember. My parents always had vitamins in the house. And so, you know, for as long as I can remember, there's always a part of me though, that feels like I'm either taking things I don't need or too much of something and then wondering, is it just flushing through my body or am I doing damage to some degree? Um, what are your thoughts on that? I would say any type of supplement that you take should be discussed with your dietitian and your doctor. Um, because it depends. It also depends on the certain medications that you take that might interfere. The, the supplements mm-hmm. might interfere with your medications. Um, so always, always, always check. Because again, we think that supplements are nothing and we just, and we don't even mention it to the doctor because it's, it's just a supplement. It's fine, but it can interfere with your medication and yeah. And you might not need it. Like you said. Is a doctor or a dietitian the best person to talk with, with regard to the supplements? And I ask you this because I've been asked at many a doctor's office, to list everything that I take, vitamins, supplements, also prescriptions. Mm-hmm. But I don't always get the feeling that everything on that list is being looked at with a doctor. Oh, yeah. In regards to reading that piece of paper where you wrote everything, mm-hmm. uh, this I'm not sure, but I would say a conversation with your doctor face-to-face is the way to go. And with uh, with your doctor or the dietitian, um, because again, the doctor might know something more specific in regards to your treatment plan or to the specific medications that you take, uh, which the dietitian also knows. But it's again, it's a collaboration w- with your team. Um, so it's best that everyone knows what you're taking and they might tell you to continue what you're doing and they might they might be like oh you need to stop just that one or you need to stop everything again depends depending on your specific case when are patients referred to a dietitian by a doctor when when do you see a patient that's been referred when in other words what what circumstances would lead a doctor to say i recommend you see a dietitian um it's usually when it's related to weight uh, or heart disease, diabetes, kidney disease. And I mentioned this because this these are the are what is mostly covered by insurance. Mm. 
There's that other part of the puzzle. That's the, that's the, the other part. It's stool, the right? insurance. Right. Um, but if you if you want to if you want to be followed by a dietitian, you can ask your doctor, and they can put in a referral for you. Um, it might be out of pocket because if again, if your insurance doesn't cover the specific diagnosis, it might not be covered. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, if they don't agree with the doctor, basically. <laughs> that it should be, you know, the, the referral should happen. Yeah. Insurance, we could have a whole conversation about that. Yes. Because not, they are specific. They're really in the middle of, mm -hmm. of healthcare today. And uh, you almost can't get anything done until they approve what yes. it is you need done. And uh, you know, it takes, it, it adds time mm -hmm. to the cycle. And you know, I honestly, there are times when I think, I could die before I get this approval yep. and it, it wouldn't matter to them that, you know, it's really sad. Enough. It's it really is. sad. My mom used to teach medical parents. That was one of the things that she did. And it's so different how it was 30, 40 years ago and how it is now, because I took her class and it's, you know, it was understandable and you had a sense that people cared, but now? But we are trying. I am part of the Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics, and I'm also part of the Public Policy Committee. So I advocate Yay. for bills. And one of the, we're trying to expand mm -hmm. the insurance coverage uh, more than just a few Thank diseases. You. So we are working on that. Yeah. Well, and I know the healthcare professionals care and, and it's sad that their hands are so tied by the bureaucracy, you know? Yes. Yeah, it is. So let, let's get a little personal, if you don't mind. You know, you, you um, did what many people would find too difficult to do, and that is you moved to a different country and you put in the work to become registered uh, in in a different country after having already done all that work mm. in your in in the country you were living in in Lebanon you were already established uh how was it for you to take that leap and have to in some cases repeat some of the learning that you had already gone through uh, and then learn other things that basically start all over. How how did that feel for you? And how did you how did you push through? Well, to be honest, it was really hard, especially at first, to change my mindset and accept that I love what I do. I'm passionate about what I do, and I love food. So I wanna I wanna continue helping people enjoy food also. Um, but it was really difficult and. Sam was helping me a lot. He was encouraging me. He was the my biggest fan <laughs> because there were so many times where I wanted to just give up because I couldn't see the end of the tunnel. I couldn't see the end of the studying and the internships and the exams. Honestly, my the only thing that helped is that I just took it one day at a time, week by week, and didn't think of everything that I had to do. Just um 
I sectioned it into small digestible bites <laughs> and just took it day by day. <laughs> I also want to add this though, and and not to belabor the point, no intended, but doing what you did while you were pregnant. Oh yeah. Why I, I, was I mean <laughs> as a as a mom who worked while she was pregnant. I know the 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 trials I it's difficult and especially when you're dealing with morning sickness you did all that and then had a baby and had a newborn and you still I I know Sam at one point was just bragging about you and <laughs> saying how your teachers were just so impressed that you were doing all of this and getting top of top marks you know straight A's and um, how did, how did you do that? How did you keep yourself motivated when really you probably just wanted to go sleep? Yes. Sleep and cry. <laughs> sleep and cry. Yes. I remember well. Um, well, I, I had my mom here who was helping me. I had Sam who was trying, who was helping me. Mm -hmm. And I was just, I do, I don't know. I didn't take a break, honestly. So it was like, I was breastfeeding, but while I was breastfeeding, I had my PowerPoint presentation and studying at the same time. Uh, when the doctor told me your contractions started, I'm like, oh no, I have an exam before I go to the hospital. <laughs> and everyone thought I was crazy. And I'm like, no, no, I need to finish my exam and then I can go into labor. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to share with you, there was one point when Ileana was born and I had, cause we had some issues. So I was breastfeeding her, had a pump on the other side, had, uh, I didn't, you know, had the phone like this. Cause I was on a conference call. I was on the board of a theater company and David was literally feeding me a sandwich. Take a bite, chew, talk, take a bite. <laughs> I thought, oh my gosh, if this were filmed, it would be a comedy. Yes. That's what was happening with me. And I do not know how I got through it, honestly. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was an adventure. Was there anything was there was there anything in the curriculum here that was very different from what you had learned in Lebanon? Or was it pretty much the same kind of information? It was definitely updated um, because when I and when I took courses, that was 10 years ago. So taking courses again, it was very different, uh, but not too different. But it was a nice refresher. There was a lot There was a lot of different things. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, it was, it was a good, um, I mean, I feel like it was a good refresher. It was good to just go back and see how things are done here in the U.S., especially because the system's very different. So... Yeah, I don't regret it. And what is your position at Kaiser? I'm a per diem clinical dietitian. And what does that mean, per diem clinical per dietitian? <laughs> well, <laughs> I work uh, in the hospital. So I see patients in the hospital. Um, and per diem means that, uh, means that I'm paid by hour. Um, this is how it usually starts. You start as a per diem and then you get employed full-time if there is any opening at Kaiser and other hospitals. But usually dietitians usually start as per diems. Do you have 
goals to eventually go out on your own and start your own practice? I, I'm I wondering would... what the end game is for Joy. What what does she aspire to do? Well, I, I mean, would love that. To be in your own practice? Yes. Um, I also love working at Kaiser. I love working in a hospital. Um, the team is amazing. You learn so much every day and you're exposed to so many different things and so many complex uh complex situations so mm -hmm. you're always on your feet always learning so this I love but I also want to do my one-on-one -on -one practice mm -hmm. and being able to build rapport with people and build relationships and yeah so I might do that maybe on the side later on I could see that happening or becoming mm -hmm. the president of Kaiser one <laughs> of the two mm -hmm. <laughs> So you have an incredible, you have incredible fortitude and strength yes. Uh, yes. that comes in a very little package, uh, but you do, you have, a, you have incredible drive, incredible strength. And so um, it leads us to wonder, uh, we have a few questions that we call our Bolotified Five that will get to the nitty gritty of that. <gasps> the Bolotified Five. Okay. Uh, so the first question is, what is your golden rule? What do you live by every day? Always be true to yourself and enjoy the little moments in life because life passes by so quickly. So if we don't stop and enjoy the little moments, the, the small milestones, um, yeah, I feel like that's really important. Mm. Very wise too for such mm -hmm. a young lady. <laughs> and what about a daily habit that you have that you believe strongly contributes to your success so i something. would i would say a good night's sleep ah and how many hours is that for you well it depends on each person but for me it's i need my eight hours if it's seven i i don't feel like i slept well enough mm. okay and can i Oh, I'm sorry. Go, Go ahead. ahead. I know you're going right. to ask the same I, question. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do you have, because I'm, I am a horrible sleeper. I fall asleep very quickly and I'm sleeping better a little bit now, but do you have any suggestions for how to maintain uh, several hours of sleep? I mean, you do mean, you sleep solidly through the night? I wake up every 20 minutes. You wake up, wake up. Mm -hmm. Oh, I sleep for two hours, then I'm up about every 20 minutes. Maybe if I'm lucky, I'm up. It's only once an hour. Do you have any suggestions? Is it a nutritional thing? Wow, this is too broad. Um, I'm not More. sure. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm not sure if I have like a quick fix for this. <laughs> um, but just make sure at least before you go to bed to wind down, uh, relax, what helps me relax is I drink herbal teas before I go to bed, like an hour or half an hour, it depends. Um, I feel like this is really calming for me and it helps me relax before a long day. Um, yeah, so when you when you take time to unwind at night and avoid uh, your phone before mm -hmm. sleeping and everything, it will help your mind calm down. You'll sleep better through the night. Do you relax before bed, Alex? I get the sense that you are going, going, going until 
you just can't go anymore and then you're done. That's my sense. I, well, I have been better because I do love to read. And for many years, I just didn't because I just didn't have time and I didn't want to get absorbed. But I have kind of been forced back into reading because of school. So now I've been reading before I go to bed. Unfortunately, if I'm really enjoying the book, and then I can't put it down. I did it the other day. I looked over. Th- I went to bed at 11, which, as you know, is that's early super early, right? And I thought, okay, I'm going to read for a little bit. I looked over. It was 3.30. Oh, my. I completely get it because I love to read. And I haven't been reading for a while because I am I was studying uh, for all this time. And I can't wait to get back to it. But, yeah, if it's a good book, I can just keep reading until I'm done with it. <laughs> See, for me, I can always put a good book down because then there's this the idea that, oh, I'll be able to pick it up again tomorrow morning. There's something to look forward to, which is so much better than reading so much that you're just so tired. You just don't want to read anymore because, you know, you're just too tired and then That's you lose interest. Right. You- that, 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 those are my school books. But I will say that when I am conscious about meditating. And, you know, and I actually have a couple of, they were just sent to me meditative uh, meditations that are on um, manifestations and positive reinforcement. And it they're meant to be done at night and it's okay to fall asleep while the talk is going on. And I have been doing it for about a week now and my sleep has improved. Yes. I'm still waking up a lot, but the sleep, when I am asleep, it's deeper. I that's completely great. agree. Yeah, that's amazing that you found, you, you know, you, you you found what works for you and it's working. So that's great. I tried uh, also meditating at night. Um, I fall asleep before it ends, but it's really calming for mm-hmm. me too. Mm-hmm. I'm not able to do it every day, but when I do, I really enjoy it. So what do you tell yourself when no one is listening? <laughs> Just breathe. You can do it. Just, Just breathe. breathe. So yeah, mostly That's breathe. sage advice. Sage <laughs> advice. We've been we've been talking about breathing a lot on this program. Sage. Yes, we have. And what is one change you'd like to see in the world? In the world or in the US? <laughs> <laughs> I'll go with I, either. I know. I love that distinction. Mm-hmm. In the US. Go <laughs> yeah. for it. I would love to see more accessible health care for everyone and health equity. Amen, sister. Thank you for that. You know, just on that note, you come from Lebanon where there isn't a lot of equity. But is there health equity in Lebanon? Um, well, right now, I don't know how things are. But when I was there, uh, health care was very accessible. Yes, and you could get treated fast and easily, and uh, insurances are were amazing. Um, that was 2019. Right now, I do not know. I hope mm. it's still the same. Well, it's gotten progressively worse here. It's taking longer now than it did in 2019 to get an appointment to be seen for anything. So it's not quick, as quick as it used to be. And I know that in some countries, it's even harder to get an appointment. You wait even longer to see a professional. Uh, 
and that's due to socialized medicine and access. So it sort of is a double-edged sword, isn't it? The more people who have access, the harder it is to get an appointment. And the fact that there aren't as many doctors going into practice, Mm -hmm. at least here in California, as there once was. Well, and COVID did have play an effect on that, have have a tremendous effect on that. You know, having spoken to a couple of practitioners, um, uh, nurse practitioners who were just completely burned out, young, amazing, this one nurse practitioner in particular, amazing, and she said, I'm retiring. And she was maybe, maybe 40, maybe 40, and but she couldn't do it anymore. Mm-hmm. She That's just, really it, yeah, it, it, it broke my heart. Because I thought we need more people like you. You know, when a patient's in there and they're having a test and that test is scary and you're making them laugh and you're making them feel comfortable because bedside manner, unfortunately, is quickly going by the wayside. Yeah, that's really sad. But you know, Joy, you you handle your job in the same way, which is really Mm -hmm. refreshing. You're a dietitian but you're not against food. You love food. You understand the value and the fact that people have a relationship with food. And uh, it's really refreshing to hear that, you know, I mean, the first thing you said was I love food. And uh, so you come from it from a completely different place. You know, you're not trying to cut things out of people's diets. You're trying to work with them. So they have still a pleasurable eating journey through their life, but one that's hopefully healthier. Is that a fair assessment? Yes, it is. <laughs> Thank you. It's really wonderful because there are so yeah. many of us who would be hesitant to go to a nutritionist because we're we're afraid they're going to be to say to us, well, you got to cut that out and you have to cut that and you have to change everything about what you're doing. And that's so hard. It is. Yeah. And um, yeah, that's what people think of dietitians, but we are not like that. <laughs> so you speak for all the dietitians. I mean, I cannot speak for all, but we, <laughs> but most of us are like that, are more about um, working with you and trying to find something that is sustainable and that works for you without cutting out food and food groups and um you know, and the things you love, because like you said, food, food is pleasurable and you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be denied that pleasure. Mm, I completely agree. For some of us, it's, it's the vice, you know, it's the one pleasure that we, we -hmm. take in life. So last question for you, maybe the most difficult question in the bunch, but what is your why? What motivates you? What, what drives you? Uh, <laughs> well, because I feel like this whole this whole diet culture and people trying to control their foods, and I feel like it's unfair that we have all this misconceptions and our culture is telling us to look a different a specific way and to act a specific way and to eat a specific way uh and just generalize that to the public um 
so it's more really helping people find joy in food again and uh and accept all foods and because again i you said it i love food and i want everyone to be able to enjoy it regardless of their um their health status and regardless of if they have a specific um condition like high cholesterol or anything else but still try to enjoy food i love that sentiment i do too i do too it's changing the relationship with food not Mm -hmm. your relationship with food which is i think so such a holistic approach yes well thank you so much for joining us today joy it It was was really it was a pleasure for us and and a learning experience for us too and hopefully our listeners will walk away with uh feeling a little bit better about their relationships with food and uh hopefully eating a bit better as well thank you so much thank you for having me any day i second that Hey, thank you for listening to Bolotified. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe. And remember to leave us your questions or comments at bolotta.com backslash podcast. Bolotified is a production of Bolotta Entertainment. Hey, that's a lot of Bolotta. Stay engaging. Stay engaging.